You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 132. Today, we're talking all about how to go love yourself. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, everybody? James Wedmore here. Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. I'm actually on the road again. That is crazy. I feel like half the episodes are James is on the road. That's right. I'm down here in beautiful La Jolla, California. Some people pronounce it La Jolla. I'm here at a conference. It'll be my last event of 2017. And I'm talking about love. So I thought, why not bring on my wife, Chelsea, to do this episode with us? Chelsea, how you doing? Good morning. I think everyone pronounces it La Jolla. I'm the only one that says La Jolla. Well, they'll catch on. They'll, they'll catch on. Yes, we've got a lot to cover today, and I just couldn't think of a, you know, a better way to do this than to have the one that I love on this episode with me. We're talking about love. We're talking about loving yourself. And this is all inspired by a book that I read recently. I've talked about it before on the podcast by the author Kamal Ravikant. It's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Now, you actually hadn't heard of this book or you haven't read it yourself. Is that right? Right. I'm, I'm super interested. Okay. Okay. So I'll kind of do the quick like synopsis. I'm going to recommend the book to everybody. We'll link it up in the show notes. What I love about the book is it's very short. I've heard all these stories from like publishers and stuff like, how the writer, the author will write the book and then the publisher's like, okay, that's great. But in order for this book to sell, it's got to be 220 to 240 pages. So what else can you throw in there? Have you ever noticed that you read a book and it's like, this is really good. And it's like, bad boy, it started lagging here in the middle. And then it wrapped up really good. Well, now you know why. This book is not like that. It's intentionally short. He actually tells you why it's intentionally short because he's intentional about it. He just wants to get to the point. And the point is a very simple one, right? Sometimes the most profound, magical, miraculous, life-changing ideas, suggestions, and strategies are extremely simple. And love yourself is no exception. So the author takes you through a journey of where he was at a really dark, low time in his life. And what got him out of that was a commitment to loving himself. And that's what I want to talk about here today because when I first read it or I started reading it, I was like not really motivated to read it. I don't think most of us walk around, most of us, saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing a crappy job of loving myself. Where are you at? Do you think you do a good job? Like if I were to grade you or you were to grade yourself, where do you grade yourself on the love yourself scale? Well, I think every day is different. I'm not as cognizant as I'd like to be. I think many days I have that narrative going on in my brain that's like, it's really subtle and it's very, it's insidious because it comes in and it just, it's so familiar to me. I don't even notice that I'm I'm saying some of the things I'm saying, but I'm pretty sure I tell myself I'm an idiot. I 
tell myself, oh, you could look so much better or if you only did this. So I, that chatter is constantly going on. My awareness of it has grown and the behaviors around that have changed a little bit, but it is a constant, I have to stay constantly vigilant about it because before I know it, I'm saying those things to myself. And that's a great point because it's not like we actually are going around saying like, how good of a job am I at loving myself? And I think that is the goal of this episode is to create that awareness and have that commitment. And that's what I want to take you through because, you know, Chelsea, you're not alone. I think we all do that to some extent. And I'll share some stories of that. But it seemed almost too simple for me as I'm reading the book. Like, come on. And then as I'm reading the book and as I finish the book, I was like, no, no, I got, I got this. Like, okay, I'll love myself a little more. But what really hit me in the, the face, like just smacked me in the face with this was realizing even in weeks later as I went into this commitment of loving myself. Like I create an affirmation that I just repeated over and over. I put my hand over my heart and I'll say, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself over and over again. And you can, you don't have to read the book to start doing that. Like now on this episode, I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. One of the things that smacked me over, (laughs) over the head was a few weeks later when I caught myself beating myself up for a mistake I'd made. I made a mistake. And there's a lot of guilt. And there's a lot of shame there. So like beyond the things that Chelsea are talking about, which I think are very normal of like, the judgments and criticisms we have, like, which I think are very common. I also had this story of, well, I can't make mistakes. I'm not allowed to make a mistake. And, you know, sometimes the most cliche things are the most profound, but that whole, like, to err is human. There's a lot of truth in that. I mean, there's absolute truth in that. And it's up to us to decide if we're going to shame ourselves for being human. It's an illusion if you're going to live your life trying to avoid all mistakes. That's an illusion. You can't. But the choice is, are you, is after you do the inevitable, are you going to shame yourself? Are you going to beat yourself up? Or are you going to love yourself? Are you going to forgive yourself? Episode 126, we brought Chris Vondermaden back on to the show, and he takes you through a whole process for how to forgive others and how to forgive yourself. And that was one of the things that really inspired that was I was like, man, I'm not forgiving myself. I think the second half of that saying is to err is human, to forgive is divine. And in the past couple of months, it's come to my attention how pervasive my shame is and how it really informs a lot of the way I approach life. And I think that to recognize that we all live in shame. One of the exercises I've come up with in the past couple of years or come across in the past couple of years is to see myself outside of myself, to wonder if I would treat my daughter or my younger sister or someone I care deeply about with the same level of judgment and criticism and and shame that I treat myself. And so I think once I saw myself as somebody who needs to be forgiven and that other people forgive, 
it made it a little bit in every situation I was able to sort of see that from a distance. That's so funny that you say that because the book, the author goes right into talking about that is if we start at this first, I think this first step, if I always got to give you steps is asking that question, do you love yourself? And then the practice that he talks about is exactly what Chelsea you're talking about, which is like, look at your life through the lens of how you would treat somebody else. And I think for so many of us and so many of our listeners, we always, you know, we're the type of people that put ourselves last over everybody else. And when you start to just look at like the things you say and the things that you do, you say, would you wish that upon, you know, your daughter or your son or your spouse? And chances are no. And saying, then why are we doing this to ourselves. And one thing that still comes up, and this is, you know, James, the recovering workaholic, where back in the day, it was bad. It was, it was really bad. It was uh, my worst. I would roll out of bed in the morning, 7 or 8 a.m. I would pop 20 milligrams of Adderall that I was basically addicted to. And then I would work until, I don't know, midnight. And I'd have like a little bit of food when I needed food, like one meal a day. I dropped down to 140 five pounds, which to give context right now, I'm like 175. So <laughs> that's what, could you imagine me a little bit like 30 pounds? Uh, yeah. And you know, there's still remnants of that every once in a while. Sometimes I just don't stop like in a day, like you're in a flow. People keep talking about how to get in the flow. No one's talking about how to get out of the flow. You know, it's okay to stop working even when you, it feels good to be working. And when I see myself working not too hard, but too long, like that was a long day. I love every second of it, but that was tough on my body and my mental capacities. You want to start asking that question is like, would you, you know, to the people you love in your life, would you tell them that they got to work this long and this hard? Here's the other thing that I've discovered is that I actually think that I'm a legitimately bad person. And I had to work through that a lot these last couple of months. It's not that I think, I understand bad is relative or that shame is relative. But for me, what I have done seems inexcusable compared to everyone else's trials and tribulations. I'm so readily able to forgive people that cause harm. But for myself, it's like that was unacceptable. And I go around thinking that I'm worse than everyone else, which is actually not humility and sometimes can be mistaken for humility. But I go around thinking that my mistakes, my errors are worse than everyone else. And that keeps me from giving love as well. Yeah. That's the other thing is that you get what you put out there. So is that then, like, because you're bringing this up, Charles, is that a symptom or a result of not loving ourselves? Is that the solution? I believe it is. So I keep sort of reflecting back to the last couple of months, and maybe I should give it some context. But, oh, this is nerve-wracking. And one of the things that you, James, always say to me is that this isn't about me. It's about giving... Well, or sharing what I think people need to hear or want to hear. And so I have to... And, and you're referring to what when you said this? Any amount of vulnerability can connect people. And I'm getting emotional about this. And it just... 
Let me give some context to the last couple of months of my life. So after we returned from New York, I went through this like phase of just transformation. It was a couple of months long. It involved dietary changes. It involved fitness changes. It involved spiritual changes and emotional and mental and psychological. It was really comprehensive and unexpected. And the more I paid attention to what the narrative that was going on in my mind all the time, I could notice the things that I said to myself, the way that I reacted to situations. It was, it's not as if I haven't tried this before, but I I read some books and I had some conversations that really provided a catalyst for this transformation. And the more I recognized that I struggled to just accept myself as a human living, you know, this, this life that everyone else gets to go on. Excuse me, it's a little challenging to articulate my thoughts right now through my emotions. But so these past couple of months have been an extreme transformation for me. And the culmination came about in when we were in New York City in November. And I was working out at a gym about a half a block from our hotel. And I just had this profound sense of sadness. And I looked at my life and I thought, for goodness sake, this is like, this is a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I'm still sad and I'm still hurting. And I've, I had conversations earlier that day with my girlfriends who were hurting in similar fashions. They were worried about somebody smearing their reputation online. Another person was, was worried about their close friend and, and how they might react to a situation and not be friends with them anymore. And I just thought, I live in a constant state of panic that I'm going to either lose everything I have or not get what I want. And I'm working out and I'm watching all these people walk by on the New York City streets. And I'm thinking everyone else out there is probably worried about something as well. And, and that's preventing them from tapping into this like universal source of love that we as humans are, are given. I mean, this is our, like, this is the thing that binds us all. And it just, it was this immediate sense of like excitement and, oh, what if we could tap into that and spread love? I know that sounds cliche, but in the moment, it just, it was this overwhelming push to do something about it. And what came to mind was this idea that if we were, well, I'd read a study about 7,000 monks in sometime in the 1970s who had decided to meditate for a designated time and length. And during that meditation, they were able to reduce crime rates and violence by a significant amount. And I thought, what if we could do that on an even larger scale possibly for a shorter amount of time, but if we could all just focus on love for 60 seconds, I mean, the world might shift on its axis. So I come to this conclusion, and I'm so excited about it, and I am just like brimming, and then fear sets in. And immediately I'm like, who am I to even come up with this idea? Why me, and where do I begin? And and so I asked for a sign, and I don't like to ask for signs because I don't want to be told what I don't want. So I immediately dismissed it, and I thought, nope, I put it out there. I have to ask for the sign. So I thought I have about a half a block to walk between the gym and the hotel. It's about 35 degrees out, gray, muggy November afternoon, and 
I'd like to see a butterfly. <laughs> so I kind of laughed and thought, there's no way I'm going to see a butterfly. So what you're saying here with this sign is that you, you told yourself, if I see a butterfly, then... Then I'm clearly supposed to move forward with this idea. And I walk outside and I almost forget that I'm supposed to look for a butterfly. And then I hear this little girl complaining about having to walk home in the cold and she's dressed so she's just she has these huge puffy jackets on and she's waddling along and her dad's walking next to her and he's explaining to her you know why he can't carry her and I look and see and he's carrying her backpack and it's bright pink and it's covered in butterflies and I stopped right there and I took a picture and I got super excited and then I ran across the street and I told James about this and I said, hey, do you want to do it? <laughs> because I don't want to put this into motion. And you said immediately, no, this is yours and that you were super proud of me and that you loved me and supported me. And so I did put something out there on Instagram and it didn't get the immediate reaction I was hoping for. But that's where this comes in is that like what you, James, said to me was, this isn't about you. It's about what you think it can do for the world. And what I think it can do for the world is create more love. If, if we can connect as a community in love, I think that it can have this drastic impact on how we just treat each other. I know that the only reason I ever hurt someone is because I'm already hurting inside. Normally, I can't identify that, but after years and years of at least being able to look back retrospectively and see that that's often the case, now I can almost stop myself from hurting somebody else because I'm hurting. However, the idea here is not to just stop hurting people, but is to actually start loving people. And, and that needs to just start. It can start so simply with each of us. First of all, I love the story. Because I think you just described like the <laughs> the life of an entrepreneur in like a nanosecond, and I want to go into that in a second. But I want to finish up with what you're doing, and because I think it is very unique and simple. I like simple. But will you just explain a little bit about like what you want to do for New Year's and how that's really about setting the, the intention for the year, right? Yes, and I just want to thank your audience for putting up with me <laughs> during this because this is it's very emotional it's very close to my heart and it's very out of my comfort zone so I just appreciate if you're still listening the idea is and I posted this on the Instagram account I created it's on New Year's Eve this December 31st 2017 at midnight New York Eastern Standard Time for one minute everyone that wants to participate will hold hands or be in close contact with another human being or even an animal. I love animals, so yes to animals. And to repeat to themselves or out loud that the, just the phrase over and over again, I am love, to see how that changes your energy and your frequency in that moment. I love that. And uh, I definitely want to link all the info up for that in the show notes because I think I just think that's awesome and it's so easy and it's so simple it's so doable. What I'd love to do, yeah, and, and you know, I heard what you said. We all, we'll put up with you on the podcast. <laughs> yes, we're all we're all putting up with you on the, on the show, Chelsea. I know, isn't she wonderful? So, okay, 
I'd love just because it came up, like to just go through the journey. Cause like, boy, do we all not resonate with that? You have this like lightning bolt that shoots through you that starts with, oh, I have an idea and it's just, it lights you up. It's amazing, but it's amazing because it's such a big idea. It's so new and it's so different. And then as soon as you realize how big and new and different it is, that voice in your head starts saying, but who are you to be doing this? Or you can't do this. And we go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. And sometimes, as Chelsea described, that was in 10 seconds. Now, what I love that she did, and this is always great. We do this. We play these games all the time. I say, well, let's look for a sign. Let's, let's not leave it up to us. There's a battle going on in our minds, right? You've heard the story of the, the two wolves, you know, the one of love and the one of fear. And so which one wins? And this is the one that you feed. And so what Chelsea did is she goes, well, you know, like, yes, I know I'm supposed to feed the one with love and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm just going to surrender. I'm just going to throw my hands up and let God or let the universe tell me what to do. And she did. And then she sees a backpack covered in butterflies. I've seen the picture. It's pretty awesome. But that's not the end of it, right? There's this excitement. I was literally across the street from the gym. There's all this excitement now, like, okay, I'm supposed to be doing this. And then you go to this, but I got to do the work and I got to put it out there. And it starts scaring the crap out of you again. And you go right back to where you were. Then you find a way, maybe you listen to a podcast called Mind Your Business or you watch some motivational video on YouTube or you get your friends to cheer you on and you finally do that thing for Chelsea was posting that first post talking about what she's doing. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't get the result that you wanted. That's where I like to work as well is like dropping these expectations. And that's where I talk to Chelsea. I'm like, look, this isn't about you and your vanity and your numbers and blah, blah, blah. And everything that I've fallen in love with doing, I do it from a place of service to those and for the feeling it gives me of doing it. Like, oh, this, I love doing this and I'm helping people. And that's all that matters. And if we can start to detach from how it needs to show up, because that's the first post. Like you don't know what the second post or the third post or the fourth post is going to be. This might be something that takes years. And there are so many examples of that, right? And by the way, I forgot to mention one of the things that Chelsea does that's so awesome is, is she has these love buttons that she talks about. There's a whole campaign called the Love Button Campaign, and she passes them out at all of our live events. She, even to someone who refunds one of our products, if there's someone who refunds, she will mail a love button to that person. I mean, it's unbelievable what she's doing to spread love to everyone she comes in contact with. Sometimes it's easier to love other people than it is to love yourself. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's why we're doing this episode, is it... It starts here. Like it's, it's like a cup, you know, you fill it up and filling it up means loving yourself first. And if it's empty, you got nothing to give. I think it's priority number one. And it's really why I couldn't just say, oh, just love yourself and be done with it is because I was, was doing that. And I realized, boy, I really still wasn't loving myself as much as I deserved it. And we're all worthy of it. I mean, check your pulse. If your heart's beating, then you're worthy of it. 
And we can never forget that what you put out is what you get back. What you put out is what you get back. So you step one is fill yourself up with love. Love yourself now. And step two is, you know, give love to everyone you encounter. And then step three, you're going to get it all back. And it's just going to be this beautiful upward cycle. And that's really what it's been for us. Like we haven't really spoken much to like the miracles and the unbelievableness of things that have happened just recently. But we, you know, we've, I've talked on some episodes about the success of our live event and just like the energy in the room, the people, the feedback, their transformations. And, you know, it's impossible to perfectly test where that all comes from but i'm not about to deny the fact that we've been very intentional with this conversation of of loving ourselves and putting love out there and we're not perfect like this it's a discipline and it's a work and it's you know when when you're not well what do you shame yourself again for not loving enough well you're you know you're back into the same cycle you were before to that point, I'd say I can recognize times in my life where I have peeled back the like one layer of shame for myself. And, you know, I think one of those times was when we met, James and I met, I think I was very committed to being by myself at the time, which always people say when you, you're, you're going to find the love of your life when you least expect it. But this was the first time in my entire life that I had been single and deliberately single and enjoying myself. And it was not that I was out there partying. I was just really enjoying being by myself and knowing that that wasn't going to last. And that took me a long time to get to that point where I didn't feel like I was going to spend the rest of my life alone. That's a separate story. But I've been through this all. But so I, James and I met, we fell in love, we got married, and I found new reasons to suffer. I found new reasons to be anxious. I found new reasons to hate myself. I found new reasons to walk in fear. And, you know, now I'm again on an upswing where I've peeled back some more layers, but I, I guarantee I'll be dealing with this again. It is, it's a beautiful journey <laughs> and it's messy. Well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up that I loved is, you know, what, what really inspired your I am love campaign was noticing that if you're suffering so much, you can only imagine how much other people are suffering. We are at Christian Michelson's event and he said something yesterday about suffering that I loved so much because it's not about resisting suffering because you know what you resist persists. It could be about loving the suffering mm. because what he said and I just resonate with this so much is he said, suffering can be the thing that just cracks you wide open. And when you're cracked wide open, that's when the healing begins. That's when the lessons are created. That's where the growth happens. And like, if we use extreme examples, if your life was all about Netflix and Cheetos there's no growth. And Tony Robbins talks about the like six human drives or motivators, you know, drives for significance, contribution, but one of them is personal growth. 
I think we all want to experience progress in our lives. We all daydream and fantasize and get excited about the possibilities of who we can become and what we can accomplish because we all know whether we realize it or not, we're on a journey. We can feel it. And like that's why when you go back to that 10-year reunion or for some people it's 50-year reunion, if you were at the same place you were at in high school, there's a part of you that would probably start to go into that shame, you know, right? Whereas like, yeah, look how much I've grown. Like I was a nerd in high school and look at me now, you know, I think we all are doing that and want to do that. And we feel that what if suffering was just part of the vehicle, the mechanism that skyrockets the growth. It's the thing that gets you focused. It's the thing that is sharpening you honing you, polishing you, and preparing you for what is next. You know, we talk about that comfort zone. So here's this duality in our lives of, let me grow and do these things, and I'm on a journey. And then there's this bubble around us of like, no, let's keep you safe. What if it's that suffering that is the catalyst that can break you free from that, the chains of that comfort zone? Instead, we continue to resist it and find that equilibrium, that homeostasis, instead of just leaning into it and seeing what's on the other side. Yeah, I think that was powerful. Suffering is the thing that can crack you wide open to let healing and growth happen. All right, so to wrap this episode up, I want to give you some logical left brain action items. So the step number one would be to just go grab this book by Kamal Ravikant. Love yourself like your life depends on. He's going to do a much better case for convincing you why that self-love is crucial. And then he's going to give you some steps, and I'm going to give you some steps right here as well. So once you grab that book, you're going to really start to ask yourself that question, do I love myself? And you're going to commit to it. I mean, you don't have to, but that would be the next step is to commit to loving yourself. And one of the ways, and this is from the book, is to create that affirmation. And I just put my hand over my heart, like I said, and I'd say, I love myself. And I repeat it over and over anytime I can. If I'm in line, you don't have to put your hand on yourself and people are looking at you. You don't want to look silly, right? Because you're afraid of looking silly. But say it anytime you're in line, you're driving, you're walking somewhere, you're, you know, mind drifts at work, whatever. But then the other piece of that is you really want to look at it through what Chelsea and I were talking about through that lens of listen to that voice in your head and look at and observe the things that you're doing in your day. And you want to start asking yourself, are these the type of things I would say to the people I love the most in my life? So you can just use that. Like, so for example, I have my two-year-old nephew. I talk about a little bit here that I love, like that guy is my best friend and that's who I use as my litmus test. So if I find myself working too long or, you know, beating myself up because I made a mistake, I didn't use him. And I say, would I say this to him? Would I treat him that way? And you're just like, in an instant, you're like, no, of course not. So why are we any different? Why are we any different? And that's where this self-love comes in. So love yourself like your life depends on it. Because what if it actually did? I wanted to add a couple of personal things that I do to try to expand the love I feel for myself. One of them is something I do 
not consistently, but I've recently really dug deep into it where I send love to people I feel I've hurt or I feel hurt by. And I just, and it sounds really esoteric, but if you pray, you can send them love that way. You can do a heart chakra meditation where you open your heart up and they'll guide you in a way to send love. But sending love to people, I can't tell you how much it's changed my experience of these people. They haven't done anything to me. And, and if they have, it probably came from a place of hurt. And so recognizing that, recognizing that I do that has changed my relationship with them. And also, like James said, his litmus test is with his nephew, my litmus test is with my niece, and changing the way that you talk about people and yourself. I definitely am not 100% with this at all, but I really try to catch myself if I say unkind things about people. And that means that I say, then catch myself saying unkind things to myself. So I'm really, I try to be as vigilant as I can about that. And then my last mantra is to love, not judge. And I have to say that so many times a day. I mean, even when I'm driving in the car, I have no idea what somebody else is walking through that day. Most of the time, people don't know what I'm walking through. I do try to say, if I'm feeling particularly sad that day, I do try to go out with a bigger, brighter smile on my face. Not always easy. It does change my day around when I'm able to do it. But to approach every situation with love and not judgment is a really profound shift because I think I'm so inclined, we all might be inclined to just decide what our what our preference is in for every situation. I have an immediate reaction. I can tell you whether I like or don't like something right away. But if I can pause that reaction and recognize that it's just my preference, it's not actually a good or a bad situation. It's how I've decided it's going to be. And lastly, and this is not religious in any way, but I do love the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And I love what it stands for because it's about bringing love and light and hope wherever you go and not needing to get it in return in order to give it. And the wonderful thing about that is that it just does come back. I love that. I think the best way to end this episode is to tell you, Chelsea, that I love you. Love you too. And I just love that I can bring you on an episode like this, sitting here in a hotel room before the start of a conference that we get to share an experience together. And the idea, the thought that loving myself means I have now more love that I can give you is the ultimate biggest motivator to commit to loving myself. And I hope all of our listeners, who I love you guys too, can find those reasons to commit and stay committed to loving yourself first. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. We'll see you all next week here on the Mind Your Business podcast. Take care. Did you know 8 out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, 
and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.